0: Mental health matters, and you're listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben, and I'm filling in today, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to um, have Dr. Melissa Mork on the program today. She is a professor at the University of Northwestern, and um, she deals with um, the Department of Psychology, obviously, criminal justice and law enforcement, and we're grateful. She also hosts a podcast for our Wow God podcasting network, and you can find hers wherever you find podcasts. It's called Mental Health with Dr. Melissa Mork or at wowgod.com. Melissa, we, we were having a conversation before we even started um, radio. We are like, we, we should save this for the radio! Yeah, it was really good stuff. Because uh, mental health is so important. I yes. mean, there it just seems like, you know, I was just painting this picture that um, it feels like every single... Week at least. There's some sort of major headline that impacts everybody here. Mm-hmm. We were mentioning statistics that 77% of Americans say that they're struggling with loneliness. It's an epidemic. You shot some statistics back that were really concerning. Um, mm-hmm. Your new book, which is available for pre order, is called Mental Health Matters. Yes. Let's just start at the beginning. Let's okay. just start at the the baseline yes. uh, because for generations and generations, we didn't talk about our feelings. We didn't talk about kind of things that were going on in our head. I remember my grandfather who said that he walked from Australia to Japan in World War II as a captain of the army, but never really talked about the feelings and the things he saw no. until he was getting older at the end and, and just kind of giving us some insight. But that's not healthy, right? And the things that we're going through right now um, as citizens of this country and as citizens of the kingdom of God and all the yes. things that we're experiencing in culture, it's really important to talk about it yes. and understand it and to help each other instead of being overwhelmed and just hiding it inside. So, then preach. Thank you. I, uh, I, I need you to do the rest of the talking for the 30 <laughs> minutes because I've run out of things to say. No, I'm just kidding. But, I've gotcha. Um, I've gotcha. Mental health matters. It why does. Why in the beginning? Let's just start at the beginning. Why does it beginning. matter? And for well, somebody that, that is listening right now, uh-huh. the opportunity to go, okay, this is a safe space. Yes. We're going to talk about some things okay. and it might be challenging and stretching, but here's some help.
1: I'm going to do that. So to start with, it mental health does matter mm-hmm. as much as your physical health matters. For goodness sakes, you get up in the morning and you eat breakfast and you brush your teeth. That's physical health hygiene. You wash your hands to keep them clean. You do things that you exercise and eat nourishing foods to maintain your physical health. The book, by the way, is all about how to sustain and nurture your mental health. Why? Because, and I was dropping these statistics at you. Hmm. Um, One in four adults right now is struggling with a major mental illness, a diagnosable mental illness. Half of our 18 to 35 year olds 50% Half fifty percent have a diagnosable mental illness. The average teen right now has higher uh, rates of depression than the psych ward patient of the nineteen fifties. Children's mental health has been identified as a national crisis. We are in a crisis; it's a national state of emergency. Uh, and so, most of our listeners are either experiencing. Or have somebody in their family who is experiencing a major mental illness right now. Mm. So, you said it's important that we talk about. I have all of these statistics. I've been studying mental health since, um, you know, it was my major in undergrad. Of course, my master's and my doctorate are in clinical psychology. I've been seeing patients and teaching. It's all just been a professional passion of mine. And then... um. Two years ago, I had to hospitalize my own son for suicidal uh, a suicide attempt and then had to put him into partial inpatient treatment and then another hospitalization. And he has a significant major and persistent mental illness. And he's open about me talking about that. But when I I interviewed him for my podcast, an episode uh, that released recently, and uh, I mentioned on the podcast that we don't have any history of mental illness in our family. And so I didn't know where this was coming from. And my mother's cousin reached out and said, you did not just say we don't have a history of it. Of course we have a history of it. What? Yeah, your uh, maternal grandmother and her sister both died by suicide. Here's a Mm. letter that your grandfather wrote, and and there's definite delusional content there. But we never talked about it. Mm. It never – and that stigma within the family was so – I mean it was so – we were also isolated from it. We had no idea. And so, A, it's so important that we talk about it because reducing the stigma is the way that we begin to access help. And there are things that we can do even in the midst of an illness, just like if you have diabetes, you're going to manage your glucose levels, and also you're going to go in for physicals. You're going to man- you know, take care of your heart. You're going to t- make sure that you don't get a cold. You're going to do all the other things to maintain your physical health despite that particular illness that's going on. Similarly with mental health, even if you have a diagnosable mental illness, I encourage good mental health hygiene Mm. to sustain your mental health in other areas.
0: Right. Would you say that there isn't a family that hasn't been affected by some sort of mental health? There is
1: not a family out there. And if they tell you that they haven't been affected,
0: they just don't know about it. They don't know about it. They haven't been talking about it because for so long it's a shh. And even still, Dr. Mork, it is... There is a stigma around mental health where it's like, shh, don't talk about it. When you have heart disease or you have a sprained knee or something, you talk about it. Oh, my
1: goodness. We talk about it to the grocery store clerks and the guy behind the (laughs) at the gas station. We talk about it for anybody.
0: Why is there so much shame up here?
1: Well, I think partly because it has been cultural. It's been historical. And also there are certain you know i when i talk to law enforcement officers there is a stigma that they you cannot talk about your mental health within the church there's a stigma we do not it's a spiritual issue it's a sin issue it isn't a, it isn't a, a chemical or neuroanatomical or a um it's not a, a a sickness issue but i hold i hold to the philosophy that mental illness is illness it's illness it's not a spiritual it's not a spiritual thing however As an aside, it is there are spiritual consequences to untreated mental illness. When I talk to my guests on the podcast and they talk about their very severe symptoms, they will say that they cried out to God and they couldn't feel him present. Well, I'm familiar with that. When my children are, when they were little and they were crying out in pain when they were teething or they had colic and they're crying out for me to hold them and I was holding them right there, they couldn't feel me because they were in so much pain Mm. Similarly, untreated mental illness can cause us to feel that God is not present. And when we finally get treatment and help for our mental illness, suddenly we realize God was there all along. Mm. So there is a spiritual uh, connection there, but it isn't necessarily the cause of our mental illness. Mm.
0: Dr. Mork is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Uh, my name is Ben, and we're filling in just talking about um, her new book, Mental Health Matters, and just having a conversation. What would you say to somebody who's listening right now and a, a really... a uh, um, they're just at the right place at the right time, and they're having this we're having this conversation, and they're listening in and they're struggling. Mm-hmm. you know February for me personally is a hard month yes. it tends to be the coldest, the darkest it seems like the longest even though it's only twenty eight twenty nine days this year um <clears throat> and so there are times that people might be coming home from work today and going home into a home situation that is that is not good or healthy um or coming. Of From a really stressful work situation, and they 're just they 're having this time in their car as they listen to faith radio, and their mind's swirling, and you talk about um, undiagnosed or or you you 're kind of alone with your thoughts, and I feel like that 's when the devil will attack, yes. right, especially when you 're keeping it all inside, and yes. it just becomes even worse wouldn 't you say like yes, so what would your recommendation be for somebody right now who is struggling, listening to this going? everything she's saying right now is reverberating with me, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know who to talk to or who to turn to. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and you, you kind of touched on it at the very beginning around isolation. When we are not accessing our social support or accessing professional support, we feel incredibly isolated mm-hmm. in our condition. And so I strongly encourage reaching out to talk about it. We've, we're going back around and around on this. It has to be discussed. You need to talk about it to a friend, a family member, somebody who can hold your story, a pastor, a spiritual director, or you can go on um, psychologytoday.com to find people in your area who you can see for therapy. You can reach out to your employee assistance program at work. You can reach out to your insurance company to see who's covered. But there are a lot of ways to access help if you think that you may need professional assistance or reach out to somebody in your faith community if you just need a friend. To process through it.
0: And if you're in crisis right now there is a suicide hotline
1: 988 is our mental health 911 988 okay. and you can text hmm. you can call uh, there's uh, also the state of Minnesota offers a warm line instead of a hotline if you're not suicidal but you really need to process something and it feels pretty urgent you can just Google Minnesota warm line and it's staffed 24 7 hmm. Um, and so those are those are some resources available very quickly.
0: Well, you're um, going to speak at the Set Apart Conference for Women coming up March 8th and 9th. Mm-hmm. Yes, at the University of Northwestern. And there's more information, um, and you can get your tickets now at myfaithradio.com. Mm-hmm. Melissa, um, if we have questions, um, just our audience is free to text them at 877-933-2484. You can use that same number and text the word hope, um, and. Bill uh, has recorded some conversations and things that will text you every couple of days to just remind you there's a, uh, a counselor group from Focus on the Family that the number will shoot right to you right nice. now, um, and, and the, um, the Suicide Prevention Hotline as well. All the resources. If you're struggling right now, text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. More with uh, Dr. Melissa Mork next on Afternoons with Bill Arnold here on Faith Radio.
2: season of life are you in right now? Season of life. There are lots of ways to answer that question. So what season of life are you in right now? You may feel as if you are in a season of hopeful expectation or a season of desperation. You may feel as if you are in a dry season or a rainy season or maybe a season of abundance. Maybe this is a transitional season for you? What season of life are you in right now? Let me say first that you're not alone in whatever season you are in. And let me also say that God wants to meet you and be with you in that current season, even in that season of wilderness or dryness. And God wants to lead you through that current season to the next one. Discover what God is doing in your life now and where he's leading next at this year's Set Apart Conference for Women. It's March 8 and 9 at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can register today at setapartconference.com. That's setapartconference.com.
0: Mental Health Matters with Dr. Melissa Mork today on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, good afternoon. My name is Ben and we're we're having conversations um, that we hope that you find encouragement and we hope that you find hope here as you listen to Faith Radio this afternoon or if you're listening on, on demand or on a podcast at any time with MyFaithRadio.com or the free Faith Radio app. Dr. Mork, we've been talking a lot about um, mental health and obviously why it matters, but I just keep thinking about the person that is in their car right now and might be all by themselves and they've been in, in their head a lot lately. And I've been there, so I know the questions. Why doesn't anybody notice? Why doesn't anybody ask? Why doesn't anybody say? I just feel all alone. All of these things. What could I do? What can they do right now if they don't want to um, call up or find uh, a, a therapist? Which is also another really hard first step to take. It is one of the hardest. Right? Yes. To take that first step. And I'm telling you, if you take that first step, like you're so brave.
1: Incredibly um, brave, Yes.
0: I promise you that, it, and then there's just a whole, I can't make promises, I guess, because there, <laughs> there's a whole a whole bunch of things that come into it, but mm-hmm. um, I'm in my car right now, I'm having these thoughts, I'm frustrated, I feel alone, I'm mm-hmm. overwhelmed, I'm exhausted, what can I do on my own?
1: Right. There is, um, so I teach principles of counseling, um, at Northwestern. I teach abnormal psychology. I teach ethics and a number of different courses. And there are some psychological principles that we can apply. And I have them in the book as well. But there are some certain questions that you can ask yourself mm. to enhance your own mental health, to, to embolden yourself to seek help. Um, and one of the questions I will often ask somebody who is struggling is, What is the most powerful thing you can do right now for your mental health? Now, each person will answer that question differently. For one, it might be, I need to get back to exercising. I've always felt better about myself and I've been more clear in my head when I exercise. Somebody else will say, "Mm, I need to get back out into nature. Somebody else will say, I need to reestablish my prayer life. I have let that slide, and I don't like who I am when I'm not spending time with the Lord. Another might say, I need to forgive that person and just move on. What is the most powerful thing you can do right now for your mental health that will embolden you, that will strengthen you? Uh, It might be nutrient-dense foods. It might be uh, reestablishing a healthy sleep schedule. But that is one question that I often ask and how the person answers is the first step. Another question I might ask is, how are you telling your story? Um, it's a narrative therapy question. And, you know, I'll just use an example from my own life. When um, when I was in high school, I had terrible grades and I wanted to be a psychologist. And my guidance counselor looked at my really awful grades and said, hmm. I said, I want to be a psychologist. I want to go to college. I just don't know how to get there. And he kind of didn't make eye contact and nodded his head and slid a piece of paper across his desk to me. And it was a brochure for a meat cutting program in Pipestone, Minnesota, because apparently he thought I would be a better butcher than a psychologist. I told that story that way for a very long time. The part of the story I didn't tell was my grades were so bad because of an undiagnosed attention deficit disorder. I didn't get assistance with that or help with that. And so I took his, and of course, I love meat cutters. I'm grateful to them. I enjoy a delicious steak. There's nothing wrong with that degree, that program, that profession, but it wasn't what I was being called to do. But the way I told the story kept me stuck in a belief system about myself that I wasn't enough. I would never be a good psychologist. I might as well give up and go do something Outside of my skill set. How are you telling your story? Is it problem saturated? Are you telling the parts of the story that continue to keep you stuck in a way of life, a way of thinking that does not propel you forward towards your true calling? And is there a different way you can tell that story? Tell a story of victory, of resilience, of salvation.
0: Who you are in Christ. Who
1: you are in Christ. How can you retell that story in a way that allows you to thrive and to flourish? So what's the most powerful thing you can do right now? And how are you telling your story? Along with how are you telling that story is what are you saying to yourself in your own head? Are you using a lot of words that are toxic and dysfunctional like I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm... I'm worthless. Are you using words that imply I can't or I should? Are you using the word should? And can you replace those words with something else like I could, I want to, I will try? The Apostle Paul says we're to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And that is exactly what we do in psychology, in cognitive behavioral therapy, is we help the client take those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ by testing them against truth, by testing them against reality. What are the words that you're saying in your own head that are pulling you further away from yourself and further away from the Lord? And can you, re, can you capture them and replace them with truth? There are other things that I encourage people to do as far as mental health, hygiene, um, other questions that I often pose in therapy. And one of them is, what really gives your life purpose? Are you are you focusing on the things that are not purposeful? Are you focusing, for example, on the toxicity of social media um, and the you know are we are we adopting some of the lies that the influencers are delivering? Um, we call it TikTok toxicity when mm-hmm. we are um, so absorbed in that that we are losing sight of who we really are and who we are in Christ. So, what really is giving your life purpose? What are you really called to live for? Is it your appearance and how the twenty-seven step makeup process that you're watching on Instagram, or the or the demands of that you're seeing on social media, or even from our common culture that they're um, poisoning you? Um, and so there are questions that we can ask uh, that lead us to better mental health. Even in the midst of uh, ongoing mental health or mental illness, we can still attend to some of the the healthier exercises to maintain our good mental health.
3: Dr. Mark, well, first off, based off of what you had just said, you had the statistic earlier, and I don't want to get it wrong, but you said that the teenage rate of mental illness is worse than it was in the 1950s for psych ward patients. Yeah, of anxiety especially. And it's just what you were talking about, though. It's because all of this stuff is thrown in our faces where we spend our time, what we're looking at, what we're watching. So I think you're spot on we have to be really focused with what we're surrounding ourselves with right. and what we're living our lives for. Right. And then secondly, I, I, we've spent a lot of time helping those who are going through that mental illness. My heart right now is thinking about the people that are helping somebody walk through that. Mm-hmm. Cause I think all of us have probably at one point or another known somebody, whether it's a family member, a friend that has dealt with a mental illness or has gone through this. And with that being the case, How do you start those conversations with those who are struggling with this? How do you take a step to help walk alongside them with whatever it may be that they're Mm -hmm. struggling with? Mm -hmm.
1: The first thing I want to encourage the listener to do if that if you're in that situation is to, A, do not take it personally. Their struggle is not your struggle. Their struggle is not because you have somehow failed in the relationship. And I'm talking to you moms that this is not your fault, no matter what Sigmund Freud might believe. Um, So... Don't personalize it. Don't make it about you. Secondly, when you talk to your loved one about it, your child, your teen, your spouse, your sister, you talk about it as something outside of them. I am concerned about this anxiety. I am worried about this behavior. It seems to be taking a toll on you. But you talk about it in terms of this thing outside of you and then offer to help them find help. Also, when they are really struggling, if your best friend is really in the depths of depression and they're already seeing a therapist and they're already taking their medication, but they're still struggling, offer to be present with them and just listen. Be present, maybe be silent. Ask them, do you want to, do you want me to stay? Do you want me to go? Do you want distraction or do you want to be quiet? Um, do you want to go get ice cream? Do you want to go to a movie? But give them options when being present with them. And again, don't lecture. Don't make it about you. Just be present with them and uh, a source of support.
0: What a kind, what a kind thing to do. As somebody who has struggled with my own mental health and and seen counselors throughout my adolescent years and even into my my adult years. Um, back in two thousand nine, I was in a, just a horrendous. Um, really hostile work environment. Mm. And I started seeing a Christian counselor and we came up with this plan that has really been super helpful to me is to be happy and healthy in my mind, body, and soul. And that means that I have to exercise yes. my mind, body, and and soul. Amen. Otherwise, I open myself up for um, for spiritual attack, yes. or for mental health issues, or depression, mm-hmm. or anxiety, mm-hmm. which is so easy to do when you're watching the news, Ugh. or you're having conversations with people, or somebody brings up politics, or you're worried about your children or your finances. Because, like what Wyatt was just saying, it seems like there are, and I use these words like bombs constantly going off. And we've had multiple conversations today and this week on Afternoons with Bill Arnold to just keep our eyes focused on Christ, right? And and who he says that we are and not allow openings for the devil to come in because that's his favorite thing to do Mm -hmm. is to seek, kill and destroy. He's going around like a a lion looking for somebody to to devour. Mm -hmm. And so this conversation today with Dr. Melissa Mork from the University of, of Northwestern, we're so grateful. Um, professor in the Department of Psychology and Criminal Justice and and Law Enforcement, this book um, that you have on pre-order now called Mental Health Matters, and you're going to be speaking at the Set Apart Conference for Women coming up on March 8th and 9th, and you can get more information and, and buy your tickets at, at myfaithradio.com to make sure that you attend. It's really important. But what even if it isn't like a diagnosable mental health issue, mm-hmm. I think everybody struggles with being down sometimes. Of course. Right? Yes. Everybody struggles with it. And so back to just kind of the basics before we have to go. How, what can we do as people, just period, to um, make sure that we pay attention to our mental health? And what are the signs that we can... Notice that as we start to slip down into a area where we might not start to feel like ourselves or noticing that in somebody else mm-hmm. Just what are kind of the, the things that we can see just on a baseline here yeah. to help us all kind of make sure we stay healthy?
1: Yeah, it's a great question and before I even answer that I just want to say, you know, it's a problem when It your behavior or your emotions are different than how you normally function mm-hmm. if you are feeling more down, more anxious, in a panic, but it feels different than how you normally are, if it feels particularly distressing to the point where you're really in a panic, um, and then if it is dysfunctional, it's causing uh, distress in the family or in your occupation or your studies, and if it's dangerous, go seek help right away. Mm. In, if it's not quite that severe, ask yourself, what is the most powerful thing I can do, Lord, mm. in this situation? Mm.
0: Dr. Melissa Mork, has a podcast, it's called Mental Health with Dr. Melissa Mork. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, or of course at wowgod.com. Again, speaking at the set apart conference for a woman uh, march eighth and ninth, your tickets and more information at myfaithradio.com. And and look for her book. It's called Mental Health Matters, and you can pre-order it now. Dr. Mork, we are so grateful. Thank you for spending time. Thank you for being patient in the questions that, uh, the answering of the questions that we had and for being present and and, um, and being persistent too. Um, We're just, we're grateful for the opportunity to get this time with you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. The music all the way down. It's quiet. If you ask yourself this question, what is quiet time? Hi, I'm Ben. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold, and I am so grateful and excited to be joined by Carmen LaBurge, Mornings with Carmen, here on Faith Radio to talk about quiet time because we live in a world that is so fast and it comes at you so quickly, and at times can come at you so heavily. And it is so important to have quiet time with the Lord. And so my voice is a little bit somber because we're kind of in this quiet space. We're creating this quiet space, Carmen. And thank you for, um, for uh, first of all, just being willing to talk about this with us today as people end their days and go back to their house, which in turn, you know, they might be leaving a, a loudness of life at their office or wherever they were serving today and going into a loudness at home. So, Mm. Carmen LeBurge, thank you to joining Afternoons with Bill Arnold.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. What a privilege.
0: So, just at the top of the email that you sent, what is a quiet time?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I remember when I was 16 and came into, you know, this thing we would call saving faith, right? And Mm. I thought, well, there must be different things that you do after you... um, sort of give all of yourself that you understand to all of Jesus that you understand. And then there must be a way to grow in that, right? Because I don't know very much and I obviously there's things that I want to I want to know him more. And so my young life leader at the time was like, "Okay, well let's talk about quiet time." And I was like, "Quiet time? <laughs> what is that?" And so I thought, "Well, you know, there might be other people out there who have never had the privilege of that kind of conversation. They maybe they've heard the turn of phrase quiet time." Christians talking about their quiet time, but nobody's ever said, all right, well, this is what it is. And at least in my experience, what it can look like. So quiet time, we're just going to look at the two words, quiet, um, silent, solitude, stillness, quiet, like literally quiet silence. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. That's Habakkuk two twenty. solitude, um, so quiet time isn't just quiet in terms of silence. It's quiet in terms of any voice other than the Lord's. So quiet time is alone with God. So solitude, um, Luke five sixteen might be a verse you want to um, plant right here. Um, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So he got alone with the father and so should we. And then stillness, Psalm forty six ten. be still, be still and know that God is God. Um, Be still. So um, silence, solitude, stillness, quiet, and then time, time with God, time, seeking God, time, listening to God, time, meditating on the things of God, dedicated time, time you literally set apart in which you are then set apart. Um, I, I think it's consistent time and it's also like from time to time. So people will talk about their daily quiet time. They also might talk about taking some weekly Sabbath time. That's quiet. Um, And then seasonally or annually, I also recommend some extended quiet time where you can just get still in silence and solitude before the Lord. Mm. So that's it. But beyond that, it's really wide open. We can talk about some of the practical things, but that is what quiet time is.
0: All right. Mornings with Carmen. It sounds like mornings with Carmen. It's in the afternoon. You're hearing Carmen LaBurge on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today, and we're talking about quiet time, silence, solitude, and stillness. Now, what about the person that says, I just don't have the time, Carmen?
2: Uh Yes, you do. Um You and I have exactly the same amount of time as time is actually the one resource that that everyone has exactly the same of because like in the moment that you have, I have the same moment. Now, we don't necessarily all have the same amount of time in terms of this life, Um but time is eternal and you are going to spend eternity with God. If you are a Christian, you're going to spend eternity with God. Don't you want to get to know him? Like you're going to literally spend eternity with him. Don't you want to get to know him? And doesn't he deserve a little time? Um, He gave you all the time there is. He gave you all the time you have. And time is the one thing you cannot get any more of. And so, um, yeah, you do have the time. It's all about priorities and making a determination. You might have to get up a half an hour earlier than you do right now. And you may say to yourself, I I can't do that. Um, And I can tell you that it'll change your life if you do. You might have to stay up a half an hour later than you do to get some quiet time with God. Or carve out a half an hour Um, In the middle of the day, there's something there's some somewhere there's something that's happening in your life that you could you could set aside in order that you could set apart a few minutes um, with God one on one with him in silence and stillness. It could be in your car like this is not like this is not have to be in a particular place or in a particular posture, but it is alone time with God that is set apart just for him.
0: Mm. Carmen, what about the people? And I'm asking these because I, I used to be this person. What about the people that can't when they're when they're silent mm-hmm. and they're solitude? They're in solitude and they're still, but yet their mind is still so loud.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the quieting um, every voice, but but the voice of God is, I think, for many of us the hardest part. Right. So, um, first of all, be quiet. And then ask God to still and quiet every voice but his own. Invite Jesus to take every thought captive. Like, and then visualize that. Anytime there is a thought racing around in there, like literally see Jesus in your brain, seizing it and wrestling it to the ground. Just like <laughs> let him wrestle it out of there um, and let Jesus wrestle so that you can rest. Mm. Let Jesus wrestle so that you can rest and just rest in the Lord. That's what he wants. He wants you to find your rest in the Father.
0: There are so many conversations, emails that you have, that I have, that we have with people that are talking about this quietness and asking God to still and quiet every voice but his own because they they so desperately want to be with him. They want to seek Mm -hmm. him. They want to feel him. They want to experience him. What do you meditate on as you consider the things of God?
2: Well, let's talk about that um that word for just a moment and what that um maybe what that means cuz I think the the concept uh, the idea of meditation it's certainly biblical but it's also one of those that um you know has uh right. has a lot of mystical uh sure. references to it as well. So when we're talking about meditation during our quiet time, we are talking about um setting the word of God in front of us and meditating on it. In, this, in the same way that the psalmist talks about that, meditating on the word of God and on God's precepts, considering the things of God, considering who God is, rolling rolling um, the the character of God around in our mind. So if I'm with another person and I am really concentrating on them, I am looking at their laugh lines. I am studying the um, the glint in their eye. I am learning their turn of phrase. I can recognize their voice among all others in the world. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about meditating on and considering the things of God. What gives God laugh lines? What um, does God's voice sound like um, when he is saying different kinds of things? Well, you only learn that by spending a lot of time in the Bible, in the word of God. Um, You are learning the character and the ways of God. Um, Again, God's turn of phrase. Does that sound like God? yeah, that sounds like God. That sounds like something God would say. And that sounds like the way God would say it. Um, And we learn that as much from Jesus as anywhere, but you can meditate on any portion of scripture and ask God to reveal himself in and through it, to speak to you through which he has already spoken.
0: Mm. So we're, we're in these, I just want to keep going back. We're silent. uh, We're in solitude and we're still, and we're, quiet with god we're seeking god we're listening to god we're we're considering the things of god and we ask him to speak to you of what he has already spoken his word and so as we're we're having this conversation today and i i just keep thinking about the person that's never done this before because they've never had time or they didn't know how to do it how do you what's that first step that you can take to be to have quiet time with god
2: um you don't have to start with, uh, with a Bible and a journal, but if you are going to take anything with you into quiet time, it should be your Bible and a journal. But you don't have to take anything. You literally could just go sit somewhere, find a place that is quiet or create a place that is quiet. Um, if you have to point on, if, put on noise canceling headphones and a blindfold because you know that the place that you're going to be sitting is full of people and noisy, you know, fine, then do that. Create a quiet place where you can be alone with God. Um, meet him in the secret place. That's the way it's talked about in scripture. So that's not a particular place. It's not like you and I have to go to some, you know, we gotta sit under some special tree by mm-hmm. some special river at some appointed time on a particular day. No, God is waiting for you right now in the secret place. It's simply a matter of you turning your attention to him right now in the moment, like literally turning around and saying, Oh, God, thank you for meeting me right here in this secret place. This is our secret place. And you meet with God right there and you ask him to bless you. You ask him to speak to you. You ask him to hold you and to make all of that real to you, because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you to have an intimate, personal encounter with God. And it can happen anywhere at any time. It really is. Um, God is always paying attention to us. We're just not always paying attention Mm. to him. So any moment can be a quiet time. It's all about my posture toward God.
0: And you would say, just do it. If you've never done it before, just, just,
2: (laughs) just do it. I know. Even if I sound like totally crazy that you can do this anywhere at any moment, um, but you can, it's you and just do it. You should, you know, like we're not supposed to test God, but you could test him in this. He's there. He's he's waiting in the secret place. God's waiting right now for you to just turn your attention toward him and say, God, would you meet with me right here? And he will.
0: You can do it in your car right now. You can, wouldn't normally uh, recommend this, but turn down and turn off Faith Radio and just go right to God right now. He's waiting for you right now in this secret place. My name is Ben. I'm in for Bill Arnold today. This is Afternoons with Bill and... A very familiar voice. It's Carmen LeBurge from Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio as we talk about quiet time with God and why it's so important. And coming up next, we're going to give you some other ideas and some practices that you can use during your quiet times. You don't just have to be laying there on a bed or on a couch or be uh, completely still, uh, although we we talked about that already this morning. You can actually, you can be moving, You can be moving more on that. Next, with Carmen LeBurge, this is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. Receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic. Sign up for this first of the day email at myfaithradio.com. Be still and know that I am the Lord. We're talking about quiet time today, talking about silence and solitude and stillness. Carmen LeBurge is on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today, and I'm Ben filling in today. We've been talking about uh, what do you do in your quiet time. We talked about being quiet, asking God to still and quiet every voice but His own. Talked about just being, being with God, seeking God, listening to God, reading the Bible, journaling. Talked about considering the things of God, asking him to, to speak to you that which he has already spoken. And we can conclude with prayer, stretch and go. Now, a lot of people are, are, are going, quiet time. I, oof, That's a lot because I, I got kids. I got to pick them up at school. I, I've, I've got, you know, things on my to-do list. I got to serve at church. I got this meeting coming up. And there's just a lot, especially in American culture where it just is attain, attain, achieve, achieve, achieve we're talking about quiet time with God because that is where rest for weary souls is. And don't you feel like you could use some rest? do you feel exhausted? And so we're talking about why Christians and anybody, but particularly Christians, need quiet time with God. And Carmen, I love this list that you put together about some other ideas of practices that we can do during our quiet times. We can walk. I love what we talked about in one of our meetings this morning. We can walk city blocks and pray them and spend time seeking God and praying with God. But does that go against the silent solitude stillness in the quiet part of the quiet time?
2: Yeah, so um, you're still probably prayer walking um, by yourself. I mean, that's been my experience. Sure. Most, most prayer walking that takes place is, you know, uh, you and God in the cool of the day, right? And so Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Mm. Um, you and I, wherever we're going, step by step, you know, it can be a, a conscious prayer. I can be taking every single step I can be taking. I can be saying, you know, Satan, you thought this little patch of earth right here, this lane that I'm walking, this, this, this city block, you thought you, you thought this was yours, but you're wrong because every footfall of this ambassador of the king and ambassador of the kingdom, like I'm taking it back right now, every square inch, just in the name of Jesus, this, this footprint, this footprint, this footprint, this foot. This city block, I'm taking it back. I, I, the enemy be bound. You know, every spirit other than the spirit of the living God, you know, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And, and looking at people and places and spaces and speaking blessings over them. And, um, and, and when you see broken people asking God to bind them up, to, to reach into their life, to provide for their needs, like that's prayer walking and it changes things. If you've walked into a, um, into a community or into a building, into a room and the, the spirit of the living God within you, like immediately, like you feel on edge at dis-ease. Let me tell you, that's because there are other spirits operating in that space. And as you walk around as a person, you know, in invested with in, inhabited by possessed of the spirit of the living God, you walking around praying, it changes the atmosphere. Because the spirit of Jesus is going to bind and dispel those other spirits. Like, it's real spiritual warfare taking place while God's people are just walking around completely silent. We are silent and we are by ourselves, or that's what it looks like to the world. But, um, there is real spiritual warfare going on, um, in the heavenlies. I mean, it's, it's a powerful thing to walk around with God. And so, um, It's not always still in the way that we think of stillness. I'm not talking about not moving. I am talking about not being moved by any spirit other than the spirit of God. So stillness is about dwelling. It's about abiding. It's about resting in God. It's not always about sitting still. So if you're a person who's like ADHD or, you know, you're like those, one of those like agitated little boys that's always got to be on the move. That's okay. I'm not talking here about restricting your personality. I'm talking here about not allowing yourself to be frenetically obsessed with the things of the world, but finding your stillness, your peace, being a person of peace, a person possessed of peace in the midst of a world world that's just, you know, raging all the time. So stillness is not sitting still necessarily. It can be, but stillness is being a person of peace walking around in a world that's Anything but peaceful.
0: Mm, I love that. I I personally love the stillness because it quiets everything and it forces me to really be present and in intentional in the stillness and then the quiet time. Right? Um, yeah. But but what I think I hear you saying and what you have taught me off the radio is that, and let me just ask this question because I just want to make sure: Can we have quiet time as we're going about our daily life? Like, is oh, yeah. that is moment that the whole? Moment. Is is that the hope that I'm having quiet time with God at all times?
2: Eventually yeah. eventually the hope is that all of your time mm. is an ongoing living, breathing conversation with God yeah. that sometimes the world overhears. Mm. Right. Sometimes our prayers are spoken, but they always should be going on in a ceaseless manner. That's Paul to pray without ceasing in all circumstances. So what we're doing is we're just trying to create, we're trying to establish a foothold. If you're not spending any time with God, then we got to start somewhere. And so having an intentional quiet time on your calendar set aside where you're doing it intentionally, that's just the starting point. But yes, a person who's a fully integrated m- mature disciple. This is an ongoing reality. This is like breathing, Mm. literally like breathing. So breathing, actually breathing exercises are good in relationship to this. If you're having a hard time, like calming yourself. Um, uh, We talked a little bit about visualizing Jesus taking every thought captive. That's a good one. But also just breathing exercises are good. Focusing on, you know, one footfall or one square inch is really good um, fasting and praying in order to, you know, get you to set aside some other things. If you're having a hard time, like carving this out as a spiritual discipline, um, devotional reading, singing, creative expressions, those are all really good for, um, you know, for developing this uh, over the course of time. I actually, for me, like cooking, preparing a meal for my family, Mm -hmm. that is something I do by myself in the kitchen and it's quiet. And so I am, I am using that time as quiet time.
0: I love that. This is uh, Afternoons with Bill Arnold. We're talking to Carmen LaBerge from Mornings with Carmen about quiet time. And the more you spend in quiet time with God, uh, we were learning this in church this week. It's funny that you wanted to talk about this, uh, Carmen. The more you're able to just shake it off, Mm -hmm. right? The rest Mm -hmm. of the world and the things that are coming at you, whether it's a relationship or a, a broken this or that or the... The anger, the vitriol, or what you're seeing on social media, or what you're experiencing on the news that is so heartbreaking. It's the more the ability to shake it off and to focus on really what matters if you're refreshed and renewed because you have spent that time quietly with God.
2: Yeah, you're armored up. Like you've you've been to the secret place, you've put on the full armor of God, and so you know, come what may, you're covered.
0: So we've been talking about um, what is the secret place and how to get into the secret place. Let's talk more about the benefits of dwelling in that secret place. We've, we've touched on a, a little bit of them. What are some other benefits?
2: Hmm. Um, well, your whole life gets sweeter. Yeah. Um, it, and again, this is not to say that difficult things don't happen. Like We still live in a world um, where we are subject to the consequences of sin, our own and everyone else's. And we live a long way from Eden like we don't we that's not where we live. We don't live in the Garden of Eden. We live a really long way from its perfection. And so I don't want anyone to misunderstand me and imagine that, wow, the more time I send in, spend in the secret place, the less I will be affected mm. by the consequences of sin. Because that's not true. Right. Um, But how we respond to the realities of the world changes in ways that it's really hard to describe as your time with God. And it's not again, it's not like I got to find time on the calendar to do more of this. As I allow God into more of my day, as I acknowledge God's presence in every moment, in every environment, in every relationship, as my life becomes more fully integrated, I become more quiet in my spirit, more settled. I dwell there. And nothing's going to wrench me out of that spot. You're not getting me out of his arms. Like, that's where I live. Um, and he carries me. So those are, it becomes, it just becomes more intimate and and sweeter. Um. I, you know, I think that there are those who will say, you know, he walks with me and he talks with me. If you've, like, wondered about that, like, what does that mean? What are those people talking about? That, this is what they're talking about. They have cultivated through quiet time with God. They have cultivated an ongoing sense of his presence, his power, his provision, um, his goodness, his grace, on and on and on. The character and the ways of God will become more and more real to you um, and available to you moment by moment the more quiet time you spend with him.
0: Mm, I love that. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This verse describes the benefits of spending time in the secret place. When we dwell in this place, we're sheltered by God's protection, we receive his provision, and we experience his power. And for those of you that so desperately, and don't we all, want to experience God and hear from God and be used by God, this is the way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So making time for the secret place, it's got to be a priority. And it's not like uh, me wagging my finger at you, Carmen. I'm telling you, uh, it might require some sacrificing in your busy schedules, but the rewards of spending time with God are incalculable. And I want you to experience the same thing that that Carmen's been talking about today and that that I found as well in this secret place. It's absolutely amazing. Carmen, um, I wish you could be on absolutely every single day, almost every single hour if possible. Uh, I know that's not, that's not possible, but thank you so much for, for sharing some time with us on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today.
2: Thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, we can find pace, uh, peace in, in the chaos, hope in the despair, strength in the depth of weakness. And friend, uh, both Carmen and I invite you to take the first step on this journey, to seek God with all your heart, to discover the secret place for yourself. Pray, read his word, worship him be with him in his presence and as you do we believe you'll experience a level of intimacy with God that you have never known before we go today may the lord bless you and keep you as you journey deeper into his presence this is afternoons with bill arnold on faith radio